I'm just going to hit my start button. And uh, hey, it's ex- I'm excited to be here. And uh, you know, Warden and Nicole, and they're just phenomenal, phenomenal leaders. And uh, you guys are so blessed and so privileged to have pastors like these guys. Can we give your pastors a hand this morning? Don't ever, don't ever, um, don't ever devalue. Don't ever take for granted the man and woman of God in your world. It's so important because so much is locked up in your relationship with these guys. And God's going to open up doors over your life if you will honor and respect and, and, and follow them and, uh, you know, and be a great support in, to their world. And I believe today that God really wants to do something here. I believe today that God has a purpose and a reason why you showed up. You must understand that, that uh, the very reason that you showed up, God showed up in this place. The very fact that you turned up today means that God showed up today. God doesn't show up to an empty room. He shows up to a room full of people. His church is His people, right? It's not a building, although it is a building, but it's His people. It's the location. You come to a space. You come to an area where God shows up. And uh, this morning, you know, we're in a, we've got a, our title, I think, is is no turning back, no turning back. But I've got a little subtitle this morning because uh, I struggled to work with that this week. And so I just changed the rules a little bit. And uh, so my one is called New Beginnings. New beginnings, because I want to talk to you today about new beginnings. Who, uh, who's had a new beginning in their world before? Who, come on, let's, let's, I need support if I'm going to preach, because I'm going to get a little bit scared that you're not interested. And, uh, but but uh, God, is God, God is a God of new beginnings. You know, in, uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, who's in Christ here this morning? If anyone is in Christ, then the new creation has come. God is into new beginnings. The old has gone, the new is here. Who's happy that the new is here today? That it's a new day for you. It's a new day for this campus. You know, this campus is a new day. It's the beginning of something great. And you go, but someone said that last week. Well, I'm telling you, it's this week as well. For you, it's a new day. It's a new day for you. Something new is going to happen today in your world. Something new is going to happen because you chose to get out of bed and turn up to the house of God. And just because you made them, you may not even feel like being here today. But can I say to you, even if you don't feel like being here, this is the day where God is going to do something significant in your world because you showed up, so He showed up. And I love the fact that my God is a God that can do all things. He's a God that is powerful and he is living, he is active and he's, he's just doing amazing stuff and you've got to believe that you're going to get something today from him. Have you ever had an opportunity to try something new? And it, yeah, yeah, you have. And, uh, and, and you know, there are those people, they love new, right? They love new. They love change. They love excitement. They love adventure. My wife is one of those people. The problem is, I'm not. <laughs> now, so when I met my wife, I discovered God had a sense of humor. Because ever since I've met her, every day ever since, it's always something, right? So we, you know, I decided I was going to get married to this beautiful woman. And she decided she wanted to go to America for 12 months when I decided that. So there was no opportunity at the, at the beginning. And so anyway, we just, you know, we, 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 we did all that. And, I, and, and she was in America. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to go to America and I'm going to propose to her. She paid most of the ticket. <laughs> I was a college student at the time. You know, college students have great ideas, but seldom have the resources to make it happen. So, you, guys, the message of my, the moral of my story is marry up and you'll be doing all right. And, uh, 
So I decided I'm going to go and, you know, ask her to marry me. And I went over and did something new. It was something great. We went over there. We did this great moment. I, you know, asked her to marry us. She said yes, which was a real, real relief because of the minimal investment I spent on getting over there in the first place. But, uh, but, but you know, we went off and we traveled. And then her brother came over because, you know, we weren't married yet. So we needed a supervisor. And... Uh, and, uh, you know, you always need a supervisor when you're, you know, you're not married. But uh, especially when you come from the worldly world that I came from and, uh, you know, anything went when I wasn't a Christian. So, so but now nothing goes. And uh, the, rea- <laughs> <laughs> the reality was, is she always wants to do new things. So we went to, uh, who's ever heard of a place, Lake Louise in Canada? Amazing, beautiful place. And uh, we got there and it was just early spring and the, the ice was still frozen on the lake, except for where they did the ice skating where it was starting to melt. And for someone that doesn't like change, for someone that doesn't like adventure, for someone that doesn't like the excitement of that, it can be a little nerve-wracking when your, 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 your fiancé says, hey, we should walk on the ice. I'm like, why? <laughs> because that would be exciting. So I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try something new. So I stepped out and I started walking. And I was okay why I could see where everybody else was walking. I was all right. Why? Because it was tried and tested. It wasn't new. Someone else had done that. It was fine. But then she goes about you know, 10 meters out in the middle where I'm thinking, oh, it should be okay now because the ice should be thicker in the middle. At the edge, it's a little bit, but in the middle. And then she goes, why don't we walk where nobody's walked yet? So, you know, I'm like, oh, hang on a minute. And so she starts walking out into this, you know, the ice where the snow is and there's no footsteps. And I'm like, hey, hang on a minute. This over here is, is, is pretty good. But over there, you know, and then instantly as soon as you step out into that unknown and you, and you, and you go, you remember the movies you've seen where they've stepped out on the ice and that ice is like, and so I'm walking and she's just like, you know, walking off and I'm just like, I'm having images in my head of falling through the ice and dying, and, and she's having the time of her life. Another time we had a great new beginning, a new thing that we did was uh, when, we, when we had our Bucks night and, and, and Hens night on the same day, because we thought that'd be great, you know, like do it the same day, get it over and done with, and, and uh, so we did it on the same day. So what we did is we all met together, the girls and the guys at the beginning, and we went to Parramatta. And uh, we had, my best man at the time worked for a, uh, a rock climbing place. And so we thought it'd be great. He was telling me about this, he was telling us about this thing called rap jumping. Who's ever heard of rap jumping? Nobody's heard of rap jumping. Wow, wow. That's good because now I get to tell you about it. But rap jumping is basically, and we're going to show a clip in a minute, but rap jumping is basically uh, kind of like abseiling. We've heard of abseiling, right? Yeah. Yeah. So abseiling is going backwards down a, a cliff or a wall, right? So, so rap jumping is uh, just flip that around and you go face first down a building, right? So we thought this would be great. My wife's like, this is amazing. He's offering to do it. He's going to give us a discount. We could do it together. I'm like, no. I don't want to do that. But anyway, uh, let's look to the screen and, and we'll see what it's all about. This is me. Not really. I'm not Asian. <laughs> Thank you.
I can do that. So we get the picture anyway, we'll cut that, we'll get the picture of what, so that is rap jumping. Uh, who would like to do rap jumping now that you've seen it? Okay, great. You can sign up for that at the end of the service for Father's Day. It's amazing. And you've got to come down the wall and, uh, no, just kidding. But, uh, but uh, you, know, uh, you know, I discovered that, that when, you, when you make a decision to follow Jesus, it's a new day. It's change. It's, uh, it's something new. It's something different than maybe you've ever experience before and and I found that uh that that following Christ has been an adventure and uh, if you don't like adventure then then you're going to have a trouble with following Christ because he always wants to do something new something great something different in your world he always wants you to live your best life he always wants you to have the greatest experience in your marriage and greatest experience in your parenting to have the greatest experience in your workplace there's, there's something about God that is always fresh and new and uh, when you find Christ when you come into relationship with him you have that experience you know there was three things I learned from this experience and I'm going to share that with you this morning and the first thing was this is the first thing the instructor said to me when I got up there was, was this, you have to turn around. Because I would got up there and it took me all everything in me just to get to the top of the building. And he said, Dave, you've got to, you can't go down backwards. That is not rap jumping. That's wussy abseiling. And, uh, and we're not abseilers here. We're rap jumpers. We're extreme. And you've got to turn around. Do you realize that everybody... That God has created an opportunity and a moment for everyone to have a, a turning around experience in their life. Do you realize that? That there's a, there's a time for everyone to have a turning point in their world. And, uh, you know, the Bible says this in Acts 13, verse 19. It says, repent. Oh, we hate that word, don't we? Repent. It's been made dirty by Christians, really. It's not the world that makes that word dirty, it's the Christians that don't like that word, because it means we have to look at ourselves and realize that things aren't right. But can I just say to you that that word repent really, really just means to turn. And it says, repent, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and that times of refreshing may come. So so when I hear the word repent, I've got to lose the negative understanding of what that word means because he says repent then turn to God basically what he is saying is turn and then turn to God so turn away from sin but who knows that you can turn away from sin but not necessarily turn to God that you can turn away from the things that are wrong in your world but not necessarily turn to God you may turn to Buddha you may turn to Muhammad. You may turn to the New Age. You may turn to a psychologist. You may turn, but he's saying, no, don't do that. Just repent, turn 
Turn away from that behavior and turn to God because He is the source. He is the power. He is the strength. And we're not just turning to God. We're turning to Christ. Don't just turn to a God. Turn to Jesus. Because the answer to your salvation, the answer to your deliverance is in Him, not in anything else. You will find it nowhere else in your world. You know, every single one of us has a turning point. There's a story in the Bible in Luke 15 about the prodigal son. He says, Dad, I want all my inheritance. Give it all to me because I, I just totally disrespect you right now. That's basically what he was saying to his dad. I, I could read the whole scripture, but I'm not going to. But, but basically the story goes is that he comes to his dad and he says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And uh, I want it now because I want, I want everything that belongs to me. And so his dad, the crazy thing, his dad gives him everything, gives him half of the estate. says, there you go, son. And it says, not long after, the son takes off and he goes out to have a wild time goes out to have wild living and uh, he went out and he spent all his money and his brother said that he spent his money on prostitutes and wasted his money in, in gambling and wasted his money in all this stuff and then, he, and, then, and then one day he finds himself, because there was a big severe drought and famine in the land, he finds himself penniless and without anything and then, and then he finds himself hired out to a man and he was working in a pig pen. And he was lusting after the world. He was lusting after pig slop. You've got to know that when you lust after the world, you're lusting after the slops of the world. You're never ever lusting after the good things of the world. Everything that the world has to offer will not fulfill you. He was lusting after the pig slop. He was lusting after what the pigs were eating. And the Bible says that he would have filled his stomach with it if he was allowed. But he did it. And in that moment, in that time when he was rock bottom, it says that when he came to his senses. Isn't that amazing? In verse... In verse 17, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to eat or spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father's house. You could call that whatever you want. But when he came to his senses, when he had an epiphany, when he woke up to himself, when he had a revelation about something, he had, what was that? What is that? That is a turning point. That is a turning point. Let me tell you about my turning point. Because I had a turning point in my world. You know, when I, uh, before I started coming to church, I spent 14 years in severe depression. I mean, suicidal thoughts, thoughts of hurting other people, thoughts of doing crazy stuff, thoughts of taking my own life, all this crazy stuff. I would drink alcohol. I would do everything that I could do to try and not feel the thoughts that I had and to live the way that I was feeling. If anyone has been in depression, you know that depression doesn't come just as a thought, but it comes as a feeling, an emotion comes with it. It's, it's a heaviness. It's a burden. It's, it, you close your eyes and you can't see the light. It's like a heaviness that sets upon your mind. I'm sure some of us would know what I'm talking about this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling that right now, but could I tell you that there is hope for you in, in Christ. There is hope in you. There is a light for you, and all you've got to do is reach out this morning. Reach out to Him. And, and see, see that? See that? I don't know what that was, but I'm not working anymore. <laughs> That's the power board. Well, man, there's some fire in the room this morning. But you've got to understand, is this one going to work? We don't, oh, there we are. Hello, hello. I'll give you that one back. It's all good. Don't worry about that. It's just the devil doesn't like what I'm talking about this morning. And uh, I, 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 I totally understand. You know, I was praying this morning and I started to weep because I felt that people's lives were going to be set free this morning. And uh, I just was sitting on the lounge and I'm weeping and I'm like, Lord, why, why don't I cry? And he goes, you do today. And, uh, and then he said, I'm from Penrith. I live near Struggle Street. <laughs> 
You know, my mum said to me, she said to me, when, when I came to Christ, she said, you were the last I would have ever expected out of my children to ever come to Jesus, ever in my life. She goes, I, I think when I literally, when I said to her, I want to come to church, I literally believe, I'm pretty sure she fell off a seat. Pretty sure. Either that or I pushed her. I can't remember. But, but I like to say she fell off a seat because it adds the illustration to the story. But, but you know, I spent, I spent years, years in depression. And, 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 you know, I went to psychologists and counselors and they would say things to me. And, 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 but none of it ever worked. None of it ever worked. So I spent years with that darkness, that heaviness. I tell people I used to live for the first 30 seconds of my life every morning. Every morning, first 30 seconds were the best, most amazing 30 seconds of my life because I would wake up with complete clarity. I'd wake up and I wouldn't feel depressed. I wouldn't feel anxious. I wouldn't feel fearful. I wouldn't want to hurt myself. I, you know, but, but then after 30 seconds, it would like settle in again. And I remember when I gave my life to the Lord, it was still there. And I sat with the pastor at a time and he said, describe to me what it was. And I described what I described a minute ago. It's like this heavy darkness. It's like I can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's like I'm in desperation with no way out. And, and, and I remember just living that life. And I remember my mom, you know, she would come to church. And she was in the church that I pastor now. When, and, uh, and, and, you know, she would, she would tell me about church. And she'd say, you know, like we lift our hands. I'd be like, you lift your hands? What's that all about, you weirdo? You know, like, what do you lift your hands for? And, and she'd go, then some people pray in tongues. I'm like, what do you mean they pray in tongues? I didn't know tongues. I didn't know Christians knew how to tongue kiss. Like, how is that, right? What are you talking about? She goes, people fall over. I'd say, you're in a cult. And, and you know, I always found it quite funny because, because now I'm the pastor of that very church that I used to say that about. And, uh, but, but there's a turning point. And my turning point came at 2 a.m. one morning when I was laying in bed and I was previously married. This is my best wife, that'll do. <laughs> I forgot to put that in my message. <laughs> That's why I was lost. Every time I look at her, I get lost for words. And, uh, but but, but I, uh, it was two o'clock in the morning and, uh, and, you know, I'd been depressed for years and years and years and years. This was about six months before I got saved. And, uh, you know, my people had tell me about Christ and church and I thought it was a load of rubbish. And, uh, and I, I, I mean, I woke up like that, bing, it was like, bing, it was like, whoa. I'm awake. I woke up terrified. I woke up in fear because I woke up with the thought, go and get a knife and go and stab yourself. And it was so powerful of thought, so powerful, so potent. And I remember in that moment, I remember in that moment as I woke up, I just cried out, God, if you are real, if you are real, and you will deliver me. If you will, I didn't even know what I, I didn't know what deliver meant. I didn't know what save meant. I just, if you, these words were coming out. I didn't even understand what I was saying. But I said, if you would deliver me, if you would save me, if you would set me free from these thoughts, if you would help me, Lord, I'll serve you for the rest of my days. And I remember just after saying that, after crying out to God and saying that to Him, I just laid back down. I mean, I had the most peaceful sleep that I'd ever had in about. 13 years, just slept. And I woke up the next morning, nothing had changed. I was still feeling the same way. Six months later, what happened around the same time as that, sorry, is my grandmother got cancer. She had secondary liver cancer and she was given four to six months to live. And it's at the same time as that, I had a workplace injury and I had an operation. I had time off work. So I was taking my grandmother to the cancer clinic 
She was a Christian for like 50 years. And she would tell us about Christ. She would tell us about God. She had prayed so many of her family into ministry. So many of her family are pastors and her kids and grandchildren. And I just spent this time and I remember watching her. She never complained. She never moaned or whinged or she never, never ever showed how hard it was. She just had a genuine love for the Lord. And I would watch her and she never really pushed it on me. She just would live it out. And I remember when she died, you know, I would have loved to say she got healed, but she didn't. She died. And I remember standing at the funeral and I said to my mom, and this is when I literally think she fell off a seat. I said, Mom, I think I want to come to church. So that Sunday, that was on, that was the 12th of May, 2002. And that Sunday, I can't even remember what the preaching was, but I responded to Christ that week. That week, a new beginning took place. That turning point led me to him. Now, I say all that to let you know that maybe you've got children in this place and maybe they're far from God and you have given up hope that it will ever change. Maybe your spouse or your husband or, or somebody in your world you know of that you've been so hungry to see get saved, but the, every effort you try, it gets rebuffed and you get you know pushed away. But I want to say to you today, do not give up on that person. Do not let up. Do not give up. Keep on praying. I am the product of someone that kept praying. I am the product of someone that kept pounding on the door of God saying, God, save this man. Save this man. I've got to tell you, that's, you're just one prayer away sometimes. And, and one point, and at the point of where you want to give up, it's like just over that hump is the breakthrough. And I'm telling you, if you will just keep sticking in there, you will see that person's life change. You will see their hearts transformed. I'm telling you, do not give up on them. Keep praying. I'm so thankful that my mom, my auntie, my grandmother never gave up on me. Because I wouldn't be standing here this morning. Second thing I learned, I've got a few minutes, is this, is lean in. The second thing the instructor said, you have to lean into the rope. You have to lean into the rope. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. So lean in. I can tell what you trust by what you lean into when you go through times of desperation and hardship. Hey? That the instructor said to me, he said, to go over the edge, you have to trust the rope. You have to lean in to it. You have to lean in. First, you must turn around. Second, you must lean in to Christ. You have to lean into God. You have to trust Him with your life. You have to know that there is nothing in your own ability that can get you to where He wants you to go. It must be Him and Him alone that you are dependent upon, that you are relying upon, and that you're leaning into. He will take the weight. He will take the weight. He is anchored in heaven. And if you are attached to his rope, he will take the weight as you step out in faith. It's not about, you know, working it all out. It's not about knowing everything. It says, don't lean on your own understanding. You cannot work it out. I couldn't get myself out of depression. I tried and it didn't work. There is no tablet. There is no counselor that is going to completely set you free. They are helpful, but they're not going to do it all for you. You must lean into the rope. You must lean into him, and he will make your path straight. He will deliver you. He will set you free. Come on, let's give him a hand this morning. You must let go and let God. You must let go. Everything within me was saying, do not step over that edge. Do not fully trust that rope. How do you know? And that's where faith steps in. It's not blind. That rope's tried and tested. Why? Because you know why Pastor Lord's leaned into that rope in his journey. And he's telling you every week, lean into the rope. Let go and let God. 
And some of us, you've got to let go of trying to force that teenager into church and let God do his thing in his world. Because that, that has become the biggest obstacle. Because every time you see them, you're preaching at them. No, just love them. Just embrace them and let God do his thing. The third thing that he taught me was this, was this, was this, fully commit. There's no way you can run down that building if you don't fully commit. If you're not fully committed to, to, to turning around, if you're not fully committed to, to leaning in, then you're never going to get down the building. Why? Because you'll never get over the edge. See, I had to let the rope take my weight, and then I had to take a step in faith. I'm going to be okay. God's got this. And then I can start running down the building. Then I can start running the race. Then I can start running and not look back. You know the hardest thing to do in that is look back. And you know what we spend most of our time doing? Looking back. We, we, we look back with the microscope of the past when we should be looking forward with the telescope of our future. And we, so we're, we're micromanaging the things that have gone wrong and looking for blame and, and whose fault it is. And you know what? That person never should have treated you that way. But it doesn't give us a right to hook into the past and keep us from our future. We've got to let go and let God have his way. And so, you know, got to be willing to jump in and get in the river. And I discovered there are five types of people when it comes to fully committing. You ever been in a swimming pool? Been in a swimming pool? And uh, when I was a kid in a swimming pool, we used to do a whirlpool. Whoever remembers the whirlpools, right? And everybody gets in the same. There's always that one jerk, you know, that goes, I'm not going to do it. I'm going the other way. And he tries to go against the tide, but you've got to just bash him and get him, get him in the flow, right? And, uh, and so we used to just bash my brother and then get him in the flow. But uh, it was like, get with the program, man. And so, you know, I discovered that it's scientifically proven there's five types of people when it comes to getting in the pool. Five types of people. Let me tell you where those people are. The first is the not in the lifers, right? And normally this is, this is mom or grandma. They look the part. They have the swimsuit. They have all the gear. They've done their hair. Their makeup's on. They kind of walk like this on the side of the pool. And they just love swimming, but they don't want to get in the water. They're not in, you go, come in the water, mom. Not in your life, son. Not in your life. I'm happy here just to sunbathe. I just want to sunbathe. I don't really want to fully commit. I don't want to get in. The second one is this. The second one is the toe tipper, right? Who knows what the toe tipper is? They're the guys there in the gear. And they're, oh, it's a bit cold. Oh, it's a, it's a little bit colder. Oh, I don't know if I can get in, son. I'm not sure. That's normally mum as well. And uh, the third one is this. The third one is the ankle dipper. The ankle dipper, you know, these are the guys that sit on the side of the pool and they just put their legs in. You know, what are you doing? Just getting used to the water, you know. You know, it's a little bit cold. Like, yeah. Then there's the waste waiters. Who knows what the waste waiters are, right? They're the guys that get in, they, they, they come down, they... Oh, they're down a bit... Oh, they start walking, they get in, right? They just... Don't splash me. You know, don't wet me. But then there's the fifth type. I love the fifth type because the fifth type are awesome. These are the guys we call the body bombers, right? The body bombers. What do they do? They like, they like, they get, they get a run up. They get, it's normally the, it's normally the youngest child or one of the kids, right? They go, this is going to be so funny because there's the knot in the lifer, there's the toe tipper, there's the ankle dipper, there's the waist weight. This is going to be so hilarious. I don't care the price I'm going to pay. And they run and they go. Boom, right? And water goes everywhere. And the not in your life is like, what are you doing? Ah, you know, the toe dippers are like, oh, the waist waiters are like, I might as well dive in now. And it's like, what am I saying all that for? I don't know. But I just had to finish my sermon on a laugh. Fully commit. Come on. Fully commit. 
The level of your willingness to go deeper will determine the exact same level of the experience you have in God. And the story in Ezekiel obviously was what I was referring to. He led me through water. It was ankle deep. Then it was knee deep. Then it was waist deep. Then it was a river. God wants you to fully commit to him. That is water baptism, right? We've got water baptisms coming up sometime soon. And, and, and I'm telling you, that is the decision. That's it. I am fully committed to Christ. Fully committed to my decision to follow him. Fully committed to the new beginnings that he has for me. Come on, let's stand and we're going to worship. We're going to pray to God. Fantastic. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.